Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Many times people don't embrace the difficulty in their life, but you need this difficulty to question yourself, to strengthen yourself. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hi everyone, this is Sanaya and you are listening to Project Loving Myself, a podcast that gets you thinking about yourself for a change. Each week I bring you guests that share their own personal story, a story that might strike a chord, that might get you thinking about your own life, about the choices you've made, and about the situation that you're in. Now I've been really looking forward to today's episode because we're going to dive deep into one woman's journey of finding herself. We will talk about how important it is to get help through various healing techniques. We'll talk a little bit about the stigma about healing and getting help, and also about making difficult decisions in life, especially those that impact the important people in our life. This is an episode that will definitely resonate with a lot of women out there, with people who are in relationships where they are no longer happy in. So let me tell you a little bit about who I'm talking about. So our guest today, Stephanie Zubiri, is an author, lifestyle, food, and travel journalist. Her best-selling travel-inspired cookbook, Feast With Me, won the Philippine National Book Awards for the best book in the food category in 2018. According to her personal blog, she is a storyteller who loves to immerse herself in the moment to learn about new cultures, live out experiences, listen to people's stories, and share them. Stephanie is also a Le Cordon Bleu graduate in Paris, as well as a graduate from the summer program in London School of Economics and Sustainable Development. Stephanie is currently the editor-in-chief for Tatler Homes Philippines, as well as the food and wine editor for Tatler Dining Philippines. Her regular column in the Philippine Star, Feast With Me, has been running for more than nine years now. In addition to that, she is a contributing writer to various regional and international travel and in-flight publications. So let's welcome Stephanie Zubiri to the Project Loving Myself podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm such a fan of your work as well. The admiration is mutual. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. So I have a lot of really great questions for you, Stephanie, because I know you've been doing so many different things. Um, but most importantly, you are very dedicated to well-being and self-love and really keeping yourself healthy and well-nurtured. So the first thing I want to really talk to you about is your writing. I know you have a really amazing background in terms of writing. You have written for many different publications and you have a very strong voice, which is very clear on your, on your blog. So when did you discover this writer within you? How did you get started on writing? I think most importantly is uh, imagination and reading. So as a child, I was a very big bookworm. Um, I had very thick glasses. I would read far beyond my age category. I was very interested in different things. You know, I was like nine years old reading up about aliens and Roswell. I mean, these are the days pre-internet, right? So, I mean, it was really all books. Um, I spent a lot of time in libraries. I would read things for my brother. I, I just, and I love fiction as well. So I, I'm a big fan of classic literature, old English literature, and I'm also a big fan of I, I would world literature. I have always loved stories from around the world, and uh, that it comes from there. So I feel like nothing moves me more than a really beautiful sentence in any language, really. I love communication and language and how you can express emotions on a page. So I think when I started writing professionally, my love for rose and literature came out quite strongly in my work. Uh, and then as I became more of a professional journalist over the years, I've had to learn how to write in different voices for different platforms. You know, uh, how I write for Tatler Homes is very different for how I write for my column or very different from how I write for travel and leisure. But um, it's nice to be able to explore all these things and different voices. It's also a struggle sometimes when you're starting to work with a new publication and learning how to write for them. But I've been very fortunate to have very patient editors who have believed in me and, and helped me uh, hone my writing skills. So Stephanie, you know, I was uh, quite a reader when I was young. And as you're talking about yourself, it reminds me of my childhood. Now, when I was um, reading all the time and I would, I would escape into the books, like for me, there was a lot going on in my own childhood. And so I think I read to disconnect or to kind of escape into a different world. Um, so that's what maybe drew me into reading. And, and like you, I too, you know, I read all the books that were for my age. I remember I used to read, I used to win those like book reading contests. And like, to me, it was really great. I mean, looking back, it was definitely, I was a, a bookworm, but I remember it was a way of, of getting out of what was going on in my life. Was that the same experience for you or was it really just, you were very attracted to words and language? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I, I love well, yes, I would like to escape. I liked escaping my life. I mean, I grew up in like suburbia in the 80s in the Philippines. And really, I, I mean, your television was very limited. I remember um, I had a very analog childhood. You know, I remember when cable TV came and I was like, oh, my God, there's more channels, right? It was my way of, of just I had a big imagination. It was just my way of, yes, being somewhere else 
You know, I was the youngest of five children, but by far, you know, my eldest brother is 21 years older than me, than the sister who's right before me is 13 years. So I was like almost like an only child, but also mm. the youngest child. So I spent a lot of time alone. Um, my mother took me on her travels. So also reading was like a way to be back in those travels. Um, I was also hungry for knowledge. Um, my eldest brother, who is who I'm very close to, is very cerebral, and he spent a lot of time with me at home. Uh, and he would tell me all these things and share with me all these things. I just I just wanted to learn, and I also I really love words. I I really do. Um, and and to be honest, like if if it might if it's not too bold or brazen, but. You know, I, I find words more of a, a turn on, like a sexy erotic phrase, more of a turn on than watching an erotic film or something like that. Yeah, because like I just, you know, when something is so well written or, or you can feel their emotions or if they're breathless or passionate and really, I think, internalize this and not just be a passive receiver of information and just, you know, let these images go through your head. With reading, with words, you internalize it and then you see it in your mind's eye, which I guess has an effect on you as well. It's it's actually, you're really right about that because when we hear words and when we write as well, it's a very different part of our brain that gets activated. And so our emotions can get very heightened with language and sometimes like, you know, in, in today's world, everything is so fast paced, it's digital, it's like video. And sometimes I think that going back to the basics, you know, to to reading and language is, is something really important, which is why with my kids, I've really made sure that they still love to read, you know, that they're not always like on the iPad. And I'm sure you're the same, but my my kids love reading, you know, they're, they're three and, and four and a half. And they want books all the time. Like even while they're, you know, lying down in bed, they want their books. If they're eating, they want a book. So I love that we can still remind our children, you know, that there was a time where books were everything. I definitely think, and, you know, I like what you said about the imagination because because of reading books, I think it really trains you to have a bigger imagination. And that really opens up your eyes to the world. You know, there's so much more scope. It broadens your horizon. So I completely agree with, with what you, what you say, but there's something else that I found really interesting. You talked about how, how you write for different publications and you write differently for them. So what's your voice? Like who is Stephanie Zubiri? What does she sound like, which is different from the personalities you take on when you're writing for these other publications? That's definitely my book. So if, if you have a chance to pick up a copy of my book, you'll see that it's not just recipes. There are essays before each chapter, recipes that, that speak about certain places. I'm a very lyrical writer. I'm very, I'm, I'm a bit verbose sometimes. There's a lot of nostalgia and, and memory. And I would say I like to make people feel like they're there with me because I like to describe all the small details, all the all the little things, all the little moments, the way the sun feels on my skin or how the sea breeze, you know, like sort of permeates the air and makes it salty. I, I like 
I'm a very sensual person in general, so I think that comes out in my writing. And it can be quite indulgent for perhaps like an in-flight magazine, but um, that's how I write. I'm a frustrated novelist. I haven't had the time to sit down and write my great big novel or story. <laughs> Maybe one day I will. I've one got day. some ideas in the pipeline. But, you know, everything in its own place and time, um, I feel no rush, you know. Yeah, so there's there's also a little bit of, I would say, my best writing is a bit melancholic as well. Um, I feel like, and this is just like the suffering artist in me, I think that, you know, a little bit of, of suffering and, and sadness brings you closer to a better understanding of what the human condition is and you need to embrace it and sometimes some of the best writing that you do comes from a place of, of longing and emptiness and and then because of that you also have a greater appreciation of, of the joy and the beauty around you so i think it, it it's the juxtaposition of the two and and sort of like one makes you appreciate the other more and without the suffering how can you understand what joy is so so what you're talking about really is like duality. You know, you almost need to understand pain to understand the opposite of it, which is, you know, the joy and the happiness. But you also talked, Stephanie, a little bit about mindfulness, which comes in your writing about being present, you know, the sun on your skin and really just immersing yourself in every moment and experience, which I think that a lot of us sometimes forget to do. You know, we're always like on to the next thing or what do we need to do next? And really just grounding yourself and centering yourself in every moment sometimes creates this appreciation of life that we often forget, right? So I I, I really do um, recognize that. All the time, right? We have forever connected to um, the digital space. So when I travel, especially on assignment, very often I will really make a point to put my phone away and in fact take notes on in a notebook, pen and paper. It's funny because you, you know you're out of practice when your hand starts to cramp up when you're mm -hmm. like writing, right? I'm like, how did yeah. I used to write all kinds of notes and dissertations before? But yeah, now it's like, um, I really try my best to do that. I really have a notebook when I travel for assignments. I take my notes there. It's just, it's a very different experience than, you know, of course I'll record it as well on my phone if I'm interviewing someone, but in general, I try to be as mindful as possible and then and then find another time in the day to reconnect to, you know, social media. It'll always be there. We, we don't have to always be connected to that. I'd rather be connected to today right to here and now you know that's i think a challenge for a lot of a lot of us and me in particular because as you said me too i'm i i write everything down like i'm the type who takes notes i'm a paper person but at the same time you know i'm trying to be very environmentally conscious and so on and i also you know went on this mission in the last year and a half to really become a little bit more comfortable with with digital technology, because I think I was running away from it for a while, you know, and, and I guess the focus back then was really about me and myself and mindfulness yeah. and being present. But at the same time, I do recognize that all these digital tools that we have today, help us do things better. And so when I went on this 
exploration of digital technology, you know, I, I became much more of a digital content creator. And here I am now on a podcast and we're recording virtually. So, you know, the world has changed a lot, but I think it's about balancing and integrating what was best about things before with, you know, all the things that we have at our finger at our fingertips today. Now, Stephanie, do you often write to process your feelings? Like, do you do journaling? Do you do any kind of writing that's really for you and not for the world? Yes and no. So I don't journal. Uh, I don't. I, I process my feelings very internally. Um, and and I also process my feelings by talking it out with peers and people. And I've really embraced the power of therapy in all shapes and forms. I feel like, you know, there's been a stigma over it. Like, oh, you only go see a therapist if you have a problem or whatever, or you're sick or you're mentally ill. I think, I think you know, it's great to embrace sort of having someone ask you the right questions to help you get to the answer yourself. I do write, particularly when I travel or when I'm sad or when I moved, I do write for myself sometimes. Like, I'll... I'll I've, I've come back to poetry a little bit and then a little bit less. So it, it comes in waves. I don't, I don't feel pressure. I don't give any pressure to myself either. I do, I would say I like taking on certain writing assignments that perhaps don't pay well or they're unusual because it allows me some form of creative freedom. And then very often what will happen is I will write Let's say an, I write the article I want to write. And then that's my first draft and that's for me. And then sometimes I'll take it and then change it up so that it's in the voice of the magazine. So I have, let's say, my own travel memoir of how I really imagined and felt the trip to be like and all the emotions. And then that's for me. I mean, I know that that's not going to get printed, right? And then, and then I'll take stuff from that and I'll make it into an article for the publication. Yeah. Wow, that sounds amazing. Your whole process um, sounds amazing. I, um, I like to write to sometimes process what I'm thinking. And then when I'm done getting those emotions out, I like delete it, you know, or like sometimes, you know, if I feel something and I want to share it with somebody, but I know it's about me. So I'll put it in an email and then I'll delete it because I don't want it to go out there. I just needed to process my feelings. And I've actually started writing um, my own book, but sometimes I get kind of blocked or the creative juices just stop flowing. So does that happen to you? And what do you do when that happens? There, I can go weeks without writing anything. <laughs> it's very hard, especially now people want like fast content all the time. It's like, oh my yeah. God. So it's a strain. Um, I think, so what I do is I embrace the creative blockage, right? I don't try, I, I know that this too shall pass, right? I don't get frustrated or afraid that suddenly I'm not going to be able to write again. I'm not going to be creative again. Like you, sometimes you just need a break, man. It's like when you're exercising and you're pushing yourself and then you're like, actually this whole week, I'm just going to chill. So I think it's very important to embrace the downtime as well and to embrace the slump because when you do embrace it, then you can also release it 
and be like, okay, this is what's happening now. I'm not in this headspace. And then you release it. And then when I really do have something happening, like, like a deadline, for example, I have a big, very important article, you know, 2000 words, and it, it has to be a well thought out piece and well written piece, and I'm having a hard time. Usually, I'll let it sit and have all the ideas kind of like percolating in my brain. They kind of stay there, stored. There's like a little cabinet in my brain with all the ideas, and I'm kind of thinking of the article without writing anything. And then if I have a hard time to just sit and write it, I would basically start off with an easy assignment. So that could be an article for digital, like online with, you know, an article for digital for, let's say, Tatler. And it could just be a simple Q&A, right? I'll interview someone, have some questions. I'll write just a short intro. And it's kind of like easing back into the writing mode. So, you know, just like with exercise, you're not going to suddenly like run a marathon, right? You're going to start 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour. So you build up to it. So I do the same with my writing assignments. I give myself, you know, in order of difficulty, there are certain tasks like perhaps it's a recipe or it's a, a listicle. I give myself easy tasks to ease back into the writing habit. So you're warming your brain up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and, and actually that's one of the um, things that I learned is that when you give yourself something really difficult to do, then you're going to run away from it because it's just like too daunting. But when you break things down into like easier pieces, then it's almost easier to get everything done. You know, you don't eat an elephant in a day. I mean, it's a terrible expression, but how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Right. I mean, how do you tackle, how do you climb a mountain? It's one step at a time. You, you don't just jump to the peak, right? So yeah, we forget that's true. This. People forget this. People forget the process. They just want to get to the end goal. And I think that's why a lot of people don't even get started. So they have these like big goals and then they yes. think I'm never going to be able to do that. You know, I'm right. never going to get there. So let me just come up with all these reasons and excuses not to do it because I'll never be able to, to get there anyways. So I think it's really good advice to kind of take things, you know, one step at a time. So that's that's really great. I have a lot of other similar interests with you, Stephanie. So food, wine, and travel. So what's the top of your list and how did you get into these different interests? Tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> okay, so writing is my true passion. People forget this. Writing and people and culture. I like, I like culture. I always found that food was a wonderful vessel for culture, because and I love world cuisine. I, I'm I'm by no means. I mean, I appreciate the amazing techniques of these modernist chefs, and you know. But I I'm a market person. You know, I love going to a city or a country, and it's like, where's your market? Because that's where I see the action. That's where I see their local produce. That's where I see the street vendors. That's where I see, you know, all of that. It's amazing, right? So I believe that markets are the best way to immerse yourself in a culture. 
And I love everything about how the vendors interact with the buyers, the fresh produce, the smells, the sounds, like the local handicrafts, how people are, how they are with each other. I like chaos. <laughs> and oftentimes markets are in older parts of the city or quite historic or, you know. So I, I, I'm that kind of a girl. I love... I love food, but more than anything, I love how it can be a vessel for understanding a country's history, a people's culture and history. Because if you look at food, the way and the history of food, and I'm kind of like a food historian. I have like a lot of books of the history of food. So you look at, for example, countries that have a history of royal and imperial history, right? And royal and imperial history like Thailand or China or Japan or France, and you will see a cuisine that is very elaborate, right? Because they're constantly cooking for the kings, for the courts, mm -hmm. and they're bringing the best of their countries and, and fine-tuning a very distinct cuisine because of sort of this royal culture. And then if you look at more rustic cultures like ours, the food is born out of you know, this need for preservation. So you've got a lot of pickling, a lot of vinegars, a lot of, you know, and, and, and you're looking at also the geography of a place where you have, very interesting enough, you've got the same sort of produce in Mexico as you do in the Philippines because geographically it's more or less in the same area. So I love all the geographical, anthropological, historical, cultural elements that go into making a dish and and this to me is what i'm passionate about and wine is because i love to drink wine <laughs> and i also love that each bottle of wine has a story that you know you're not just drinking a beverage you're drinking someone's life's work and vision. You know, these winemakers spend their entire lives learning about how the vines grow, how to get the grape to be the certain way, how to extract from the grape and sort of mold it into what their vision is for the kind of wine they want to make. I mean, you can have Cabernet Sauvignon from Australia and Cabernet Sauvignon from France and a Cab Sauv from South Africa. And the expression of the grape is completely different because the winemaker would have done it differently the topographical and natural landscape would have influenced the vines and then you know it's just i i find the backstories of all of this very beautiful and and that's what i love about wine and there's nothing I love more than a perfect food and wine pairing. Like, it makes me super happy. I think more than food and more than the wine, like when they just suddenly come together and like sparks fly, you're <laughs> super happy. <laughs> and I've had some really odd pairings that, that work so well, like buffalo wings and Sancerre, you know, like, and it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, like the tangy and spicy. And then you've got like, this bright and citrusy flavors that become more mineral, then you've got a bit of that blue cheese dressing and it's all kind of mixed up and it's a party in your mouth. So I'm very much about the story and then very much about the sensual experience of it. You know, um, one of my favorite vacations was a family vacation I took with my, with my parents, my husband, my brother and my sister-in-law. And we went to Napa Valley and my 
whole family, you know, they're very much wine connoisseurs. I've always loved wine, but I haven't, I can't really say I'm very well versed until that Napa trip. And so what we did is we went to all these different vineyards and we went on the tours. And I think that's what really made that experience come alive for me because it's true. Every wine has a story, a personality. And when you go and see their vineyard and, you know, how they present themselves and the type of people, because usually the owner is the one who is talking about their wine, you know, and what, how they grew it. And, you know, it just really was such an amazing experience. And as you were talking about it, I felt transported, you know, back to my vacation also, another thing that you said was was quite interesting is you talked about, you know, how the wine is a combination of, you know, the region, the land, the soil, you know, the the person who is who's putting all their love and attention into it, you know, and it builds a completely different character and personality and how when that wine is paired with the right meal it just sparks fly. And what you're really talking about is the human experience because each one of us are raised in very different family environments and the way our parents brought us up and the other people who were involved in our upbringing. And all of these things have influenced us to make us who we are today. And when we come together in the right environment or perhaps with the right purpose, in the right job, with the right person, the sparks fly, you know, and it's, it's sometimes, you know, that whole idea of two together is greater than the sum of each individual part, right? That idea. And we're kind of all looking for that. We're all looking for sparks to fly when we find the right thing in our life. And so what, what has been the right thing or the right combination in your life? I mean, I understand the writing has been really something that is, something is something you found early on and gives you a lot of that fulfillment. And of course, you know, the industry you're in, the food, the wine, the travel, these are all the things that bring you alive. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But what else is important to you? You know, tell me a little bit about what are the priorities in your life and also your well-being? Okay, so I'm 35. I turned 35 last year. I'm turning 36 in November. It took me all of my lifetime to really go back to my authentic self. And I think 
the real moment when sparks started to fly for me, when, you know, that great chemistry in my life happened and things kind of fell into place was when I embraced all aspects of myself and reconciled all of them and allowed all of them to exist. I think for much of my life, I was all only picking and choosing parts of myself to give to the world because I thought that I had to be one way if I was married or I had to be another way as a writer or I had to be, you know, and it took one way as a mother, right? Like a mother is like this in my head and this is how I am and I should dress and act a certain way. And then, um, you know, when I'm out with my friends, I'm, I'm this other person and I should dress and act another way and as a wife and, and someone at the workplace. So it's quite funny because like my wardrobe had, you know, specific outfits for specific roles and specific occasions, right? And I felt very fragmented and I, it took me a big upheaval to really look at myself and say, well, I, I no longer recognize myself. And I had to realize who I was, what were the things that I loved, like truly loved and remove the noise and not be influenced by other people or the mindsets that, you know, were sort of handed down to you um, by your parents, by your culture, by the society, by your peers. And when I finally embraced, when I finally saw who I really was and really accepted all aspects of it, was and and felt that even if seemingly they were contradictory they were still a part of me so they should be able to work together then that's when things started to fall into place i was no longer trying to curate an image or 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 sort of go become a version of myself i was just myself you know so i think that is very pivotal and I embraced what I love to do and what I'm good at. I found my ikigai, my purpose for a living, which is, you know, I really love writing and communicating with people. And it's not being a chef or sharing recipes or, or being a sommelier or, or I'm also not a businesswoman. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it's really... I want to share, I want to communicate with people. And when I embrace that, things really fall into place because people can see your your passion for it. People can see your natural aptitude. I've allowed my own self to shine. And when I realized that I was really, I mean, being a mother as well has changed me, truly changed me and given another purpose. But I think when I became a single mom, it even gave me more purpose because everything that I do, I no longer feel it takes away from my children. You know, I would always have this conflict, like I'm working, but oh my God, I'm taking away time from my kids. And I had this perception that, you know, sort of uh, I, my work was frivolous and almost self-serving. But today it's not the case. Today I fully support my children. I've also raised them to to understand the value of work and to, you know, be very proud of their mother who goes to work. And I share with them my work. Like, I don't give them any excuses or whatever. Just this morning, this is what mama did all day. Look at what I, you know, and 
they know that me working is also good for them and I bring them into the fold. And now I don't feel any conflict within myself that one part of me is in conflict with another. And I think that's very important. I felt a lot of pressure before of just being a certain way and projecting a certain image. And now I don't. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just myself. And I think that helps. Even my children see it. And yeah. You know, uh, Stephanie you used a lot of powerful words. You know, you talked about being your authentic self. You talked about ikigai. You talked about, you know, making peace with all these different fragments and kind of coming together and being you. And I think this is something, and I see this a lot with my students, with my clients, with a lot of people that I work with, that a lot of people are confused. You know, who are they? Are they other people's expectations of them? Are they, you know, living their life out of, obligations and not for themselves. And your journey sounds like something that a lot of people are working towards. So what changed, Stephanie? I mean, I know now you say there's no conflict within you, that before it was fragmented, that you were always trying to be a version of what you thought you should be in that particular role, and you couldn't quite be yourself. So what's different? Like, how does it feel now to be Stephanie versus before. I mean, you talked about your closet. Your closet had like all these different types of, you know, personalities, which I can totally identify with, you know, because I came I came from a very different background and went into kind of well-being and healing and spirituality. And suddenly, you know, I was different from the person I was, what I was growing up to be at that time. And um, how did you kind of bring it all together? How did you become you? And what is that like? Well, it's it's a process. It's a big process. I have no special key. I think it's also just one, really looking at yourself in the mirror and asking, you know, I came to a point in my life where I was, I was very unhappy and it was manifesting physically. I had a lot of physical ailments. I had like a bleeding ovary. I had, you know, mastitis and I was no longer breastfeeding. I mean, it was, I was just unhappy and, and I, I didn't know why, you know, and many times we, we blame external factors for our unhappiness, but we do have the freedom of choice and to, to choose to be happy. And we have to be brave and courageous about it because it is not an easy task. Usually when we want to pursue our happiness, we really have to face the things that might come for you, the giant upheavals, a big change in our lifestyle, we have to be willing to accept all of that openly. And I think there was just a point in my life where I recently, was last year, where it was a whole process. I think uh, perhaps it's a, it was for me, I would say, a three-year process of of, and that's when I started seeing Maisha at Third Eye Wellness, who mm -hmm. helped me a lot. And then, and I think it started with some very superficial things. It started with reconciling myself with work. And I found my work very um, unsatisfying and, and frivolous. And then, and then sort of accepting that my work also has a purpose and a larger purpose. And then suddenly being open to the universe and having you know, other things that were more meaningful to me and brought meaning. And then, and then sort of it went on different layers. You know, it starts at the surface right. and then 
you you dig a little deeper. Then it became sort of my relationships and my friendships. And then you dig a little deeper and it became about sort of like my own um, personal relationship in the home. And then it dug a little even deeper about my my style as a mother as well. Like I had to reconcile sort of this childlike quality in me of being, of wanting to be their playmate and then and then sort of, but also having to parent them, right? So it's it's a whole thing. And I think, you know, you just keep digging and digging and digging. And then finally you get to the core of yourself and you've got to ask yourself, well, who are you really? And if there was nothing affecting you, if you just had absolute freedom, what would you be doing and how would you be like, right? And do I have the courage and capacity to cascade it into my real life, into my everyday life? And it was a lot of work, a lot of work. I carried a lot of emotional baggage from the past. I felt like I kept making the same mistakes. I had to really seek help to sort of break some patterns. And, you know, I did both routes. I did sort of like the more holistic, esoteric route with theta healing. And I did past life regressions. I did the spiritual route as well, you know, um, being more focused on my prayer and meditation. And, And then I also went a more psychological route and talking to therapists and thinking about my behaviors and and you know because ultimately it it becomes again it's a synergy of all of these things there's no one method and i think they attack on different layers right i mean you perhaps you'll go to your past life regression and you'll say okay i see all these mistakes that i've been making in my past lives and you can heal it from within but then do you have the mental capacity to really act on it in your everyday life perhaps you have habits that you've been doing for for a long time and you you can't get out of them and you need someone like a therapist who will sort of help you analyze those things and give you tools on how to change your habits and how to face the day or how to reframe your your mindset right and then perhaps you just need a higher calling and and you need calm and you need a direct line to to God and the universe. So I think oftentimes people turn to one and it doesn't work. Then they turn to another, then it doesn't work. Then they turn to another and it doesn't work. It it's not one is better than the other. I think use all the tools at your disposition to help you integrate what's inside of you with what's outside. You know, I've been fascinated with um Jungian psychology, Jungian psychology, because mm-hmm. it's all about the subconscious trying to bring itself into the conscious world. And it, and and when you reconcile the two, it's it's quite amazing and interesting how there's this whole process of soul growth and, and that you need these challenges, you know? Many times people don't embrace the difficulty in their life, but you need this difficulty to question yourself, to strengthen yourself, and then to overcome it and, and, and have clarity. What you said, uh, Stephanie, all of what you said is, is really amazing. Um, I'll start with the, the idea of you talking about it being a process. And I think people look for like overnight, you know, overnight success, or they want things to change right away. But 
I guess what people need to understand is that it really is a process. And I like to give an example, which you essentially related, is that like, you know, we're all like onions and you peel off layer by layer. So like you start with the outside, you start out with the, you know, superficial things in your life that are not working for you. And then you start to go deeper into, you know, your relationship with other people, maybe your career, and you keep peeling through this journey. And that's the journey of well-being. That's the journey of self-love that you're talking about. And you keep going until you get to who you really are. And then you start asking questions like, am I doing what I should be doing? You know, am I doing things that are bringing me joy? Am I happy in this relationship? Am I, you know living my life with a sense of purpose? Or am I just, you know, completely in the wrong life, you know, in the wrong situation, doing the wrong thing? And if so, what changes do I need to make? And so that's that journey of transformation that we're talking about in this in this podcast. That's the Project Loving Myself journey that you've just related to us. And from what you said, it sounds like you've really made peace with yourself and you've really found who you are. And I know you mentioned Theta Healing. So you've been to my well-being center, the Third Eye Wellness, and you've worked with Maisha, um, who is a Theta Healer, and she's also my cousin. So what was Theta Healing like for you? And how did you find Theta Healing? And what made you go into that kind of healing? How did it help you? Um, a friend of mine uh, recommended to me. I was... Uh, in complete turmoil again there was this sort of discord and I attributed it to my work that I I'm finding my work very negative you know I was very much in the blogger social media space and I felt like I was competing with my friends and you know if like someone got a project and I didn't get a project and then this and and it just felt very toxic and then I also felt that it felt very superficial why am I pushing people to buy products why am I you know and I had to like make sense of it. I was unhappy with this kind of work. And oh my gosh, I got so much more out of it. Like I went back into my past relationship of my first marriage and and it would like dug so deep. And you know, I I do believe in the esoteric realm and I acknowledge that it's not for everyone. But I also acknowledge that even if you're not someone who is in tune with the holistic sort of lifestyle, the process of questioning and digging is extremely useful because you basically are just giving the answers yourself. Right. So all the, all the, all the answers are within us and it's just about that introspection. And, and I think, you know, when you have someone skilled like Maisha who knows how to write, ask the right questions, then whether or not you're in a believer of the energetic component of it, it is still a very therapeutic exercise and it's a very awakening exercise. You can really see it's eye-opening things that pop out of your head that may have been lingering there for years and never you know, came up until then. So I found it extremely useful. And, you know, just this digging, digging, ask yourself questions. Would I do this? What would I do? What would I do if I had absolute freedom? When you're faced with any choice, when you're faced with, 
you know, no external, like ask yourself, what would you do instinctively if you didn't have to think of other things? And then you weigh it in, you know, because I think, you know, I, I recognize that many people perhaps are not privileged to have the freedom uh, for perhaps financial freedom and they have to have all these commitments you know to care for their children and and they're perhaps staying in certain situations because of their you know the out of necessity and i recognize this but and i think once you're in that situation you also have to accept perhaps the choices that you make to to stay in there or make better choices to make it work better for you or perhaps find other things to fulfill the other parts that are empty in you. You know, I have a, a very dear friend of mine who, you know, for a long time worked a corporate job and didn't really like her corporate job, but she was good at it and it paid her bills, but it helped her do the things that she loved to do, which was travel, yoga, you know, like it was a means to an end. So she reconciled with that, you know, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really into my job. I'm good at it. It's not like my life's purpose or vocation, but you know, you recognize the value that this is helping me do the things that I love. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, there, there's, it, it's not always easy to take charge of your life especially here where you've got family. So I'm very grateful. I have a very supportive and loving family who is quite used to like my crazy, crazy out of the boxness <laughs> <laughs> and very loving and supportive friends. And I sincerely believe when you make the right decisions for your life, you really feel them and it cascades. Like there's right. suddenly harmony in the house. Yeah. I agree. Like when you start doing things that are in sync with yourself, you know, when you're really being you, you're making the choices that really make you happy, then everything around you just flows and it falls into place and everything's working, you know, perfectly. Now, before we get to the next question, we're going to be right back after this short break. Hi, beautiful people. Before we head on to the rest of this episode, I just want to quickly announce that Lazada is having a big 9-9 sale. And with that, Project Loving Myself will be selling products that I personally am stocking up on. And I think that you might want to check these ones out too. So add to cart now and check out on September 9 for the 9-9 Lazada big brand sale. Enjoy up to 90% off on our biggest brands and free shipping with no minimum spend. All of that and more with just one click on the links provided in the episode description. Spread the word and make sure to tag at LazadaPH and use the hashtags LazadaPH99, Big Brand Sale, Legit Salazmal. But you said something else that was very important, and I wanted to highlight that. You talked about the fact that people go and try one thing and another thing and another thing, and they never quite get resolution because they're like either serial dating, you know, so they're trying one therapy or one technique or, you know, you know, they're finding reasons why it's not working for them and jumping from one to another. But what you did was the opposite of that. You did a lot of different things. And um, a lot of what you talked about is very much in terms of the holistic and the esoteric, but you also did see your therapist and you did all of it together. And so 
it was a coordinated effort in a way. And it allowed you to get the most out of all these different ways of healing yourself or learning to love yourself and cleaning up your life, you know, maybe organizing things better, organizing your thoughts, understanding where these issues in your life were coming from and how you got to here. And I think the fact that you were open to accepting the help was really important. And that's often the most important thing is to commit to your own journey, your own healing and well-being journey and saying, okay, I am not happy with the way my life is. Let me figure out why. Let me do the work. You know, let me put in that effort into my own self and make myself the priority. And your life today, I think, is the product of all that time you invested in yourself. And finally, it sounds like you've got to this place of, of real balance and harmony and even happiness and joy is what I hear from you. Yeah. But te- mm-hmm. no, go ahead. I think a lot of particularly women feel like it's a selfish exercise to work on yourself. But I have become a much better mother a much better colleague at work, a much better friend, a much better daughter. Like I, I used to be so annoyed sometimes, like my mom kept calling, ah, or like it, sometimes even emotionally detached with my children or after a really difficult day because I was like unhappy and stressed, extremely competitive at work, you know, uh, sort of even not not connecting properly and meaningfully with my friends, being more judgmental, you know, when you work on yourself, you become more of value to the people around you. And you have to realize that a happy you is better for the community in general, right? Just, you know, there's, you need to take that time. You owe it to the people around you. You owe it to the people you love to be your happiest self and maybe not happy, but you're most at peace with yourself because there will be ups and downs so i think it's really having peace with yourself reconciliation with yourself integration of all your learnings you owe it to them you owe it to them because no one wants a grumpy irritable detached competitive daughter colleague partner mother right that's what you become you become a bundle of nerves and you're absolutely no use to anyone (laughs) yeah In fact, you take it out on other people or you blame them or you trigger them because you're just not happy. So I do agree um, that it's, it's really about being in the best place you can be in your life. And I remember something that it's a quote, actually, and I like to say this a lot, that the relationship you have with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship in your life. So if your relationship with yourself is non-existent or broken or damaged because of a lack of trust in yourself or self-esteem or self-love, then that's going to reflect out into every relationship around you. And you're going to create a mess in your life because you're a mess inside. So to me, the key to having this beautiful, wonderful life that every single person deserves is to go in and fix what's inside of them that's creating this mess, that's creating the drama, you know, and, and you are responsible to clean that up. You owe it to yourself, like you said, and to every other person who loves you. Right? Amazing. I was so shitty before. Let's just put it out there. I was like, you know, really irritable with my mother. And I was just, and now it's like, uh, I'm in harmony with myself. So I can understand 
the struggles she's going through and why perhaps she's a little neurotic or, you know, and even you, you're just in a pace of, of uh, you become someone who's full of compassion and understanding mm. and you have to release anger and frustration. And, you know, when you do that, then it's just easier as well. Your life becomes easier in, it doesn't mean you're being a pushover. You can assert yourself in yeah. a calm and kind way. And you'll be surprised at how much more receptive people are to that. They kind of like take a pause. They're, they're gearing for a fight, but then they're like, you come to them with peace and then, right. oh, okay. And they're much more receptive. So I think the key here is really integration and, and compassion for yourself as well. You know, like don't be too hard on yourself and, and, and acceptance, acceptance of, of what you can change, acceptance of what you cannot. And more often than not, the things that you can really change is yourself and your mindset. That's what you have full control over. Right. You can't change the people around you, but you have the choice over how you choose to react, how you behave, and even how much you get affected by what's going on around you. Also, what I think is uh, amazing is that when we meet our own needs, you know, when we take care of ourselves, we don't hold other people accountable and responsible for that. You know, we take care of ourselves, and that allows us because we are taken care of. It allows us to do something for the people around us. You know, like you said, we can be more compassionate. We can be more understanding instead of reacting or taking it personally or becoming defensive over, you know, what somebody else is saying to us. We can start to say, well, maybe they're feeling hurt. Maybe they're coming from a place where, you know, maybe I can share some love with them or I can understand what's going on and maybe take a step towards that. So I love that, you know, this is something you have come to. Because a lot of these realizations, Stephanie, came to me through my journey in Theta Healing. And that's why I became a Theta Healing practitioner and an instructor. And I teach the classes and I work with all my clients with Theta Healing because it really taught me how to ask questions, to dig on myself, to find my own motivations and to understand what is going on within me so that I can improve and I can grow and I can teach other people around me like my children how to model better behavior. So I love that you're saying the same thing. Now, Stephanie, you recently got out of a relationship. What happened in terms of uh, what made you decide to make that big change? And I'm guessing that's what that major upheaval was that you, you, you mentioned a little earlier. And how are you doing now? Because you went through lockdown, I'm sure, quarantined in your home with your children. And that's, you know, probably the after a long time, it's just you. So tell me about that. Okay, well, without going into too many details and giving respect to, um, I would say, a very personal matter, um, I, it just boils down to one thing. I wasn't happy for many reasons. I think uh, mistakes I've made and mistakes uh, my partner had made as well. And just accepting that this was no longer... Um, the right space for me and uh, for many reasons and that I you know and, and we tried we did our therapy and we did you know we explored it but I feel like one day when you wake up and many of us are afraid to 
to do that. And and I look, I think, I believe that a lot of relationships can be fixed when there's real dialogue. But then there are some times you just know when it's over. And, you know, there's a lot of societal pressure to, to mm -hmm. stay in a relationship. I don't, I don't believe that is good. I think you stay in a relationship if you want to, not because society or norms tell you to. Okay, so it's very important to make that distinction. And if it's your belief that it's forever and ever and you must work it through, then then you should, right? But you shouldn't do it just because that's what people tell you to do. So I think it's it's very important also to assess and, and it was a very difficult decision to be completely frank. This was already my second marriage and the first one I had no children, but I remember having a pivotal moment at 25 and thinking I'm, I'm terribly unhappy I'm not myself and I didn't want this to be the rest of my life and, and taking that plunge so that was already difficult I and then I think with this one I didn't I was hoping really really make it work to the point that I changed myself I changed my beliefs I changed who I am just to make it work mm. and then it comes back to bite you and, you know, one day you wake up and you're like, I'm not me. And this is not who I am. And this is not the life that I want. And this is not. And you have these conversations and sometimes you realize that, well, perhaps you actually don't want the same things, right, with your partner. And that's the time that perhaps it's time to say goodbye. You know, perhaps you don't want the same things. You don't have the same belief systems you don't have the same values and unfortunately for me those things came out much later and you know it was a big decision because of my children but I believe that you know when it's quite funny the children have been in a better place now mm -hmm. that we're separated because the there's peace in the house there's no tension I'm a much more engaged mother I'm a much more engaged human being in general. And that cascades to them. And I have never brought negativity towards their father. You know, what their father and I have in conflict has nothing to do with their relationship with their father. So I will always only encourage open communication with their father, access to their father anytime they want. Whether he takes it up on them or not, that's up to him. But for me, I will never say anything negative. I will never. When they, they've asked me, I'm very open. They've asked me, like, why? And I was like, well, because I was very unhappy and I'm happier now. But they will always, he will always be your dad. And no matter what, he loves you. He will always be your dad. And they've been very accepting and very okay with everything. And, and, you know, and that kind of like gives me a bit of a relief. I think if they mm -hmm. were a lot more scarred by it, I would have a lot more difficulty moving forward, you know. And, and so one of the, I would say, elements of my journey was going to a therapist and seeing, and even my past life progressions at the same time, I did both at the same time. Is this a pattern? Is this a negative pattern in me? Is it, where does it come from? Mm -hmm 
am I always making the same mistakes, right? Am I, is this going to happen again if I have another relationship? So I had to ask myself these very difficult questions, right? Am I just being a spoiled brat that's never satisfied? Do I need to buck up and, and you know, trudge forward the next time? And, you know, when you actually sit and talk to a, a trained therapist who, you know, can look at patterns and archetypes and where your deep sense of love and your love language comes from and your values come from, then you have a better understanding of yourself. Hence, yeah. moving forward when hopefully you meet somebody else or you find another partner or you you know who yourself is, right? You know who you are and and you know what you're looking for and what you need. Therefore, you shouldn't be making the same mistakes. So um, it was, yes, all of last year was a lot of internal work. And during lockdown was a very interesting exercise because it was a big sort of cocoon from which I transformed into a better mother. Because mm. I think all of last year, I was sort of, I was a mother to them, but not necessarily a parent. And I think it's two different things. I'm a very nurturing person. I'm a very like fun loving person. I'm very, you know, I, I'll teach them sort of the soft skills, but I'm not necessarily the disciplinarian and, and the older children get, you know, you need to give them a sense of st structure and, and um, they need to know their boundaries. And I was having a hard time being bad cop, right? As a parent, even good cop, bad cop. Like I had to be both. I think over the lockdown, because, you know, well, one, I sorted out sort of my own personal upheavals. I was very much at peace with myself already with work as well, kind of like in the background. All I had was to focus on um, parenting and, and not just being a good mom who bakes cookies with them and whatever, but really parenting the, the, the tough stuff, the, the teaching them to be disciplined, teaching them to to really respect each other, respect others, like life lessons to make them like good people in society and not be lazy. And it was a big journey for me, like to to really spend time with them and then realize that I was lacking and accepting that I was lacking in certain aspects of my parenting and, and, and really think like, I can be doing this better. I can be doing this better and I can really help them be, be better people as they grow older. So I think that one of the best things that ever happened to me was it was very unfortunate for the world that this has happened. But on a personal level, it was a gift of, of real quality time with my children and sort of a way to start fresh and, and reconcile all the different aspects of me as a mother. You know, Stephanie, I have to say that it is so incredibly brave of you to make these, you know, major leaps forward in your life, to to be able to have the strength and the courage to say, I'm going to get out of a relationship when there must have been as much pressure as you talked about is really something that I know a lot of other people have difficulty with. And there definitely is that misconception that, you know, every family needs a mother and a father 
And it's better, you know, there's this idea that it's better for parents to stay together, even if they're unhappy or fighting all the time, because at least the children have both parents. And coming myself from a childhood where my parents had some pretty rough times and rough patches. And I remember how scared I was and how unsafe I felt. And as I grew up and I became a a coach, a therapist, and a healer myself, I really made it a point to to share with my clients, with my students, how important it is that you have a stable and positive environment for the children. And that's more important than having two parents there. And I think you're absolutely right that you're a better mother. You know, you're a better model for your children. You teach them how important it is to have respect in a relationship. You know, if you respect yourself, then your children see that. And I know a lot of parents, a lot of mothers especially, are in relationships where they don't get much respect. And the children see that. And those children grow up and they disrespect the parent. And those same children will go out and create the same mistakes in their own life. And that's the pattern. So sometimes our patterns are coming from our own past lives. Sometimes patterns are coming from what we saw our chil- our parents go through. So I've, I've noticed um, with all the sessions that I've done with clients, you know, if the parents had, had disloyalty, if there was cheating, then it happens with the children, with those children will grow up and repeat the same mistakes. And so patterns move genetically, they move through lifetimes. And sometimes we just make the same mistake over and over again. And as you have started to question, not started, but you have been questioning yourself. You've been taking responsibility. Is this me? Is this something that I've been creating? And what do I need to learn? I think that is just really admirable that you continue to introspect. You continue to question yourself and you aren't making it about the people around you or the situation. You're really taking a hard look at yourself And you're making those necessary changes and you're constantly looking to improve yourself. I mean, really, I have to say, Stephanie, that, you know, like that is something to be proud of. That is something to really recognize about you. And I'm I'm so glad that you're here on the podcast to share that with everybody, because I'm sure there are listeners from all corners right now saying, you know, I'm in that same situation or I'm trying to make that same decision, or you're answering those questions that I've been asking myself. So I really have to thank you for that. On a lighter note, Stephanie, even though I would love, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Can I, I, so I want to make like two very important statements. I think the misconception of a child needs two parents. A child needs love. Once you're a parent, you're always a parent. Whether you're living in the same roof or living in another roof, you will always be their father or their mother. They don't lose parents. They don't. And I think think it's very important. And it's very important that when people make difficult decisions like this, not to confuse the two. And unfortunately, oftentimes they try to pit the children against each other. You are doing your children such a disservice. The, the, whatever conflict you might have with your 
ex-partner or ex-spouse, you, you do it on a parallel plane from your children and you must always uphold um, a certain level of respect for, you know, their parent, their father or for their mother, right? It's very important. And yeah. they will always have two parents. Just because they don't live in the same house doesn't mean that they don't, they shouldn't have access to the other parent, right? And then number two, I think, you know, I don't, I'm not here to encourage women to break free from relationships. I'm here to encourage women to really look at themselves and see what they want and how that will make them happy and how they can apply it to their life. And also, once you make a choice, you must accept it fully. You can't, you can't make the choice to stay in your relationship and then be bitter about it for the rest of your life. Right. Right. I think that's very important. And a lot of it, I've seen it happen where they're like, well, I'm going to stick it out and we're going to make this work. But then they're forever bitter and looking to escape and looking right. to, well, if that's the case, then just leave it. So once you make the decision, you say, I want to stay in this relationship. I want to make it work. Uh, I want to stick it out with you. Then really commit to that. Commit to it and, and, and accept it that these are the decisions you made because you felt it was for the greater good. Right? right. So I think I think it's very important that, you know, um, uh, my message doesn't come across as like liberation of women and freedom and independence and going from one relationship to another. I think it's more accepting who you are, accepting your situation and then accepting your choices and embracing them. Right. I, I guess what you're saying is like, it's either you're all in or you're out, but you can't be somewhere in between because you're not serving anyone else. And I'm glad you added um, what you just said now, because definitely it isn't about, you know, not taking relationships lightly or walking away when something stands a chance. But I think we must also understand something, Stephanie, that, you know, it's, it's a bit of what's going on culturally um, religion plays a part and sort of the way things are in our country here in the Philippines, because I come from a similar background in my culture, women stay in relationships, even when they're unhappy, because that's the right thing to do. And I think that um, also in, in both our cultures, that women tend to get into relationships at a very young age, they get married very young. I mean, at 20, how are we meant, how are we supposed to know who we are? Right. You were in a relationship. Your first marriage, you said 25 at 25. I was, I, I was engaged at 19. You're a child at 19. <laughs> you're still discovering yourself. No, so, you know, I'm still that, discovering myself at 35. Right. But 19 is a whole different part of that journey at 19. You don't know anything about the world. Right. You're just embarking on that next phase of life. You know, you're still technically a teenager at 19, right? And so what you went through in marriage, I went through when I was single. So I was doing that. You know, I was in a relationship for a while and realized, oh my God, I lost myself. I, I don't know who I am anymore. I am what the other person wants me to be. And so a lot of it has to do with sort of the cultural environment, you know, and, and because here in the Philippines, people tend to get married younger. And 
somewhere, you know, down the line, it's like, wait a minute, I'm not that same person, you know, and this is not what I want anymore. And so either we grow together in a relationship or we grow apart. And I don't think that we want to walk away from relationships. We always want to do our best to keep it, you know, intact. But there are situations where if the other person, and especially if the other person is not on the same page and they're not willing to walk with you towards that healing of the relationship, then, you know, then you have to do what makes you happy. So I think, yes, those are very important things to consider when it comes to relationships. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now on a lighter note, Stephanie, tell me a little bit about what you do for self-care, for you time, and um, any other well-being tips that you can share with our listeners today. No, you know what? I've been sort of on a fitness journey as well. I just embarked on it. I felt like I wanted to improve on, on my health first and then, you know, sort of get into my my fitness goals it was quite interesting because i'm a lot trimmer and toner now than i was perhaps like a year or two years ago and a photo a couple of photos popped up on like you know instagram on facebook or instagram and i was much i, I wouldn't say i had more weight on me it wasn't even weight i, I weighed the same but it just you know i had a, a little bit more fat on me and i was uh, significantly larger than I am now but I'm looking at the photo and I'm still super body positive and I'm in a bikini and I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm feeling sexy so you know it made me realize that women need to love their bodies from within and this fitness journey that I have has been also a way to keep me sane I really started it during lockdown and I would get the endorphins from exercising Mm -hmm. And whenever I had the blues or anxiety, I would exercise. And so I kind of like embraced it as a lifestyle. And I also made like some nutritional changes, which also affected my mood and my energy. So it's really a health thing, right? Not not so much like I want to, of course, I want to look good. But I look at that and I say, like, I felt like I look good too. So, right. you know, yeah. So for me, um, self-care, taking the time to be disciplined, taking the time to... For example, yesterday I had a long day at work. I was taping all day. It wasn't supposed to be my carb day, but there's a bit of pizza. So I like took a bit of slice and I was like, mm, it was really good. And then I got home and I was like, should I have peppermint tea or wine? And I'm like, I don't have wine. <laughs> I threw myself a bath. I had wine, my candles. I put on like my show on Netflix or sometimes I'll read a book. But yesterday I just felt like, being trashy and watching like nonsense on a screen and and just I, I need a quiet time after my kids go to bed I need that quiet time 
whatever it may be. Sometimes it's reading a book. I love to cook as well. Sometimes cooking for myself, indulging in a glass of wine, taking time also with your friends. Nothing, nothing unusual. I think it changes all the time. I love to dance. Dancing makes me very happy. I was going to say, you know, Stephanie, I saw one of your posts on social media during lockdown and you were just dancing on on your post. And, you know, I was happy watching you dance. Like you really <laughs> just made my endorphins start to flow. And what I saw there was just this confidence oozing out of you because it takes confidence to be dancing, you know, on screen like that. And, you know, everyone's watching you and, you know, you did such a service, I think, to everybody watching you because I was so happy. I can imagine everybody else was just like, oh my God, I feel like dancing. And I do that sometimes, you know, I'll just put on music and I'll yeah, dance so and I feel good. Right. It feels good. I love to dance. It really makes me super happy. And I, 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 you know, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I want to dance. And like, there's nowhere to go out and dance. I'm like, you can dance anywhere, man. <laughs> you can dance anywhere, anytime. It's free. You know, like, it, it, you put on your music. You don't need to be wearing anything. You don't need to, you don't even need people. Um, it's great. And we have dance parties with my kids a lot yeah. as well. <laughs> I just did one with my kids yesterday. We yeah. were dancing to like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, we, get, we do dance parties a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. So last question for you, Stephanie. Um, it's been actually amazing, this episode. I've heard so many valuable things from you. But I do want to ask you, what is your project loving myself mantra? Like, what is that one thing that you say to yourself or you do for self-love? And, um, you know, what, what would you like to share to, to our audience in terms of that project loving myself line? Uh, well, I think take time to be quiet. I've learned to appreciate the power of silence, uh, whether that is through meditation or yoga, silencing your mind, or even in a conversation, being silent and listening. And I think, you know, many times we forget nowadays, it's all about broadcasting your emotions, broadcasting your reactions, speak up, speak up, so many platforms, so much noise. I've really learned to appreciate the power and beauty of stillness and silence and allowing the universe to speak to you allowing a message from a friend or a conversation or a podcast like this to really speak to you and taking time before reacting. I think it's been very empowering to say, well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't feel like I have any value to add. I just want to absorb and, and process and integrate in terms of mantras. Uh, there are sort of two mantras that I kind of um, focus on when I meditate. One is Karuna, so that's my tattoo. Karuna is one of the four immeasurables of Buddhism, and it's compassion, which uh, in Buddhism is all about the desire that all living things be free from suffering, including yourself. So having that compassion for yourself, 
We need, you know, we talk about self-love, but are we compassionate for ourselves? Can we forgive ourselves for our mistakes? Can we accept our misgivings? You know, we're our hardest critics. So I think having compassion, not just for the people around you, but for yourself is very important. And then the other one is aham prema, which is I am love. I am divine love. And when we acknowledge that there is abundance to be had in this world, that there's no lack mentality, that you change your lack mentality into one of abundance. You say, you sometimes say, I'm running out of patience. It's like, are you really? Can you really run out of patience? Because if you dig deep, you'll find more, right? You're probably infinitely more patient with your child than you are perhaps with, you know, a colleague or something. So you can't run out of love either, right? If you really dig deep and you open your heart. So I like this, that we're beings of love, we're beings of compassion. And even in the most difficult of times, forgive yourself, forgive the people around you and release and and just move forward. Amazing, Stephanie. Those were really inspirational words. And in fact, this entire episode has been full of inspiration. I really have to really share my gratitude with you for being so candid about your life, about your journey. And I feel that there's going to be a lot of amazing response to what you've shared. So I really appreciate your time and your energy on this podcast. Thank you for being with us. And um, Stephanie, if you would like to share any of your details on social media, anything that you'd like to say to our listeners, um, I'm sure they'd love to learn a little bit more about you. So please do share. Thank you. Where they Um, can find you. I am, first of all, I'm so grateful to be here. It's also always an exercise for me in in trying to be of use and, and, you know, just, it's also a process for me when I say these things. I was like, oh, I really integrated it myself too. Um, <laughs> be like, we learn. All of this. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we learn when we share. We yes. learn so much about ourselves when we share with others. So if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's at Stephanie Zubiri. On Facebook, at Stephanie Zubiri Public. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, Stephanie Zubiri. Um, so I'm most active on my Instagram. It's my space, um, no longer very curated space. I just I post what I want right now, whatever I want. And I try to stay as positive as possible and ask some questions and I see uh, people not as followers, but as contemporaries in a community. So feel free to DM me, comment, and more often than not, I will reply and engage in conversation. So, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you so much. That was such a really deep episode for me. I don't know about you guys, but I really felt what Stephanie was saying and I could really relate to her journey. So much of it is is very close to my own heart because I've had to go through some of those similar transformations, those similar journeys myself. So write in, you know, tell me what you feel. Tell me how this impacted you. Don't forget to follow at Project Loving Myself Podcast on Instagram 
Project Loving Myself on Facebook. And you can follow me personally on at Sanaya Gurnamal. That's S-A-N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. I'm here with you on this podcast and I too am invested in your well-being. So let me know if you have any questions about this podcast, about what Stephanie said, about Theta Healing. I mean, that is what this podcast is about. It's to bring you the tools and the resources so that you can be the best that you can be. Uh, If you're interested in Theta Healing, definitely check out my well-being center at The Third Eye Wellness. T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D-E-Y-E-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S at The Third Eye Wellness. Um, We do offer Theta Healing Sessions for people who are looking to kind of uncover, you know, their real self to find out how they have gotten to where they are, which might be a place where they're not very happy, um, they're not very fulfilled. So I do encourage you that if you are struggling with any kind of challenge in your life, that you might want to experience a healing session. Um, It could be a Theta Healing Session, or it could be any kind of other holistic uh, well being or alternative health type of services or therapies. And I'm happy to guide you through that as well. I have learned a variety of different healing techniques. I have, you know, been on this journey for more than 14 years myself, and I've tried out a lot of different things. So I'm pretty um, well versed on what uh, people could benefit from. I am quite partial to Theta Healing because I've seen massive amounts of growth and change through that. But I'm help, I'm happy to to respond to your questions about you know what could help you. Here's your project loving myself thought for the week. The relationship you have with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship in your life. So think about that. You know, perhaps look at the relationships in your life. Are they what you want them to be? Are you fulfilled in those relationships and if not start with yourself you know start with your own relationship and and work on that before you start doing anything about the relationship that you are in you know work on who you are and work on finding that happiness deep within you know sometimes the best relationship status is in a relationship with myself but sometimes you got to fix that relationship with yourself first before you start looking at the other relationships in your life this is Sanaya Gurnamal signing off now on the Project Loving Myself podcast. See you next week for another dose of vitamin love. Keep smiling because you are loved. Bye-bye.